I'm Gab, he's Jules. We've got Blue Skies over West London. Uh, Blue Skies possibly because Chelsea are through and Chelsea may have a new owner very, very soon. Very soon indeed. Um, Not so Blue Skies, of course, up north where United were knocked out of the Champions League. Again. Certainly Dark Skies over Turin. Uh, But we're going to start in the Premier League for once. No disrespect, UEFA, sorry. Sorry. Because I thought that was absolutely huge last night. Because... Many of us wouldn't have would have thought it two months ago. We have a proper title race in our hands. Liverpool beating Arsenal 2-0 yeah. at, the, uh, at, at the Emirates. Yeah. And this means the gap is one point. As everybody, unless you've been living under a rock, you know. Yeah. Liverpool travel to face City. I was asked maybe a month ago, uh, maybe a little more than that, what chance I gave Liverpool to win the Premier League. I said 10%. Okay. Uh, that was then. This is now. When facts change, opinions change. Because neglected to mention this, um, City were held by Palace on Monday night, dropping those two points, points yeah. and that's why it's just the one point. In the nine, the last nine games in the Premier League, nine wins for Liverpool. Uh, they were eight points behind, and in those nine games, those nine wins, City have dropped seven points when Liverpool had dropped none. And I think this is why we've got this title race. You know, I think Liverpool are very much back in it. They've got the momentum. You still think City are going to win it. I think Liverpool are going to win it. What now. are you, a mind reader? For a different reason. You've told yeah. me. <laughs> and we did the show where we had to, uh, to, to tell who we think would win it. Yeah. I just think last night was huge because it was a big test for Liverpool and Arsenal played really well. And Arsenal gave Liverpool a lot to think of. They put them on the back foot at times, and yet Liverpool found a way of, of winning it, whether it's a Ramsdale mistake, whether it's a Firmino piece of brilliance, whatever way, they found a way of winning I, it. And I think this is huge psychologically as well in a game where they could easily have dropped points like City did at Palace. I don't like talking about psychologically this and that, because I think a lot of people use it to blow smoke or to go and kind of go and justify stuff that actually happens because it's just two people playing on the pitch. Yeah. However, in this case, I will make an exception. Because I thought in that first half, especially, Arsenal played so well. Um, Liverpool, I thought, were on the back foot. I mean, they had that chance at the very end of the first half, but I think it was Sadio Mane, as I recall. But in that second half, Liverpool showed, I saw a ton of personality to go back. I I felt like the momentum was against them. They turned it around. And yeah, you can say that, you know, they took advantage of of the Ramsdale mistake, but they were there. They looked like a team that said, we got this. We're not going to lose this game. We'll either get a point or um, or we'll get all three. And they ended up getting all three. Yeah, I think, again, it's thin margin because Arsenal are doing a lot of things right right now. Tactically, the way Arteta set up when they have the ball, when they lose the ball, when they lose it and try to counter-press. And then when that doesn't work, the way they drop and in the 4-4-2 formation, this is great. Those, those games are won or lost in sometimes the individual difference that you can have. Alisson makes that huge save on Odegaard at nil-nil when the back pass from Thiago is intercepted by Lacazette. This is the, this is the turning point because on the other hand, Ramsell has that little mistake on the, on the Jota goal. Which, and, and this is how you won a game. The day Arsenal will have a squad in quality and quantity as good as the Liverpool one, if ever, then they will win games like this. Right now, their squad is not as good, and this is the difference. This was the difference on Wednesday night. I, I'm not sure the difference was individual quality. I, well, I, clearly, I, you see on the Jota goal and the Alisson save. This is, indivi- this is individual no, difference. No, I, I, I think it was, no, but because we've seen Ramsdale can make 
saves like yeah, that too. Yeah, but he too. didn't, and Alisson more, did. I'm more, no, but I think it's more like what happened. I don't think Liverpool won this game necessarily because they have better players 1-11 to than Arsenal. I mean, they do, yeah. but that's not the reason that they won the game. I think the reason, because on the night, as I said, they had better players than Arsenal throughout that first half, and Arsenal took the game to them. They certainly battled as equals if, if they didn't. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'd even go but say Arsenal shaded the first half in terms yeah, of what definitely. we saw on the pitch. Um, I think there's a, there's a confidence. There's a, And again, I don't like talking, you know, this metaphysical stuff that we can't measure and we can't see. But I think in this case, it completely, it completely applies. Um, I, I'll go so far as to say the confidence with which they play eventually frustrated Arsenal. And and that was a difference, and perhaps that is what what led to those led to those mistakes. I was hugely impressed, as you know. I've said before, and it's not just me. It's Klopp who said it too about how you know they went they they had some dirty wins. There were times when you know yeah they, yeah, yeah they haven't played well in the moment. but they played well at the weekend, and yeah. I thought they played really well, you know, against a team that was flying. On yeah, Wednesday they can night. step up. But when you can bring Firmino and Salah for the last half hour as well, and then we go back to the quality and the quantity, Arsenal in terms of depth in their squad are nowhere near Liverpool. So I don't yeah. know why you're running your eyes. Because you, I don't Who, who can bring Firmino and Salah after an hour? No because one. it's Salah with an injured foot. It doesn't I mean, matter. It would have been Diaz and Firmino. But Salah's not the reason Liverpool won. But that's not the point, Gab. The point is that they can bring on players like Salah and Firmino after an hour. Arsenal cannot. Arsenal have to sub Odegaard and bring Smith-Rowe on. And that's it. Smith-Rowe's not bad. They, they, can, they can bring no, on... No, but they, they, they brought on Eddie, right? It's not, it's, it's not take, the same I at all. I take you know what I mean? There's no like, question Liverpool are better. It's huge. There's also no question that I think this was a game that Liverpool could have slipped up on. Yeah. But they didn't. Let's get into this. But I want to get into this talking a little bit from the Arsenal perspective because you had this really good run that yeah. was going and I thought a lot of it had to do with with the fact that he had a settled lineup you know we could argue whether this is his best 11 maybe Tomiyasu for, for Cedric but otherwise it is Yeah, and Arsenal fans kind of got a glimpse of ooh this is the future you know minus the handsome French man up front because of course he's out of contract and, yeah. uh, but any Quite news likely. on this what are you going to do no, nothing yet. Nothing yet. I, I still think they will offer him something, and then he will have to decide whether he wants to or not. Take it or not. Is there much of a market for him? Aren't they? Yeah, there will be clubs in Spain, in Italy. They love all these in Italy. But he's going to have to take a pay cut, yeah? But yeah, but you take a signing on fee. So what you lose in terms of wages, you gain in terms of signing on fee. So. I don't know. I, I, you know I think but he can get similar. that at Arsenal too. So, I mean. Well, yeah, but not with the same freedom than if he was going somewhere else. Can we take it as read that if you're Arsenal and you're trying to be responsible with Silent Stan's money, you're not going to make a decision or commit to Lacazette yeah. until you know if you're in the Champions League Completely. next year or even if you're going to be in Europe next yeah, year? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Totally. All right. So they sit and they wait and yeah. in the meantime, they miss out on Erling Holland. <laughs> <laughs> no, because somebody reported that today, and I was like, "Yeah, but no, no, you know, no, that's no." Okay, um, on to the game itself. Uh, in that first half, is it a knock on Liverpool, or is it just because, as I saw it, I don't think Liverpool played badly in the first half. No, I think Arsenal good. outplayed them for stretches and looked. I mean, this was a case where things worked better for Arsenal than from Liverpool, but not because of any problems Liverpool had, other than obviously the. The Thiago Alcantara back pass. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and that was even the start of the second half. Oh, so that right, first half, sure. yeah, that first half was good. I thought at times they were the better team. 
for sure. Uh, Liverpool had the, the Van Dijk header and Ramsdale made a good save. But apart from that, even if they looked threatening every time they went forwards, um, I thought I thought Arsenal defended well, coped well with it. I thought they quick forward transitions, which we knew they were going to play that way, especially on Trent's side, because the Martinelli Alexander Arnold matchup was fascinating more than Robertson Saka on the other side, um, because also there was Van Dijk on that side compared to Matip on the other side. So then Matip had to cover Trent, and we saw that at times he even he struggled to do that, and Trent had a really tough time against Martinelli. Club defending him. Yeah, that was a theme afterwards the that Club yeah. came out and. Yeah, Klopp, Klopp said, I mean, it's Martinelli. So if you think that Trent can't defend, well, you don't know anything about football because it's hard to defend against Martinelli, which I get. I think Trent well, Martinelli's times, killing Mbappe all of a sudden. No, no, but he's good on one-on-ones. You have to no, give him course, that. Yeah. He's so quick and he's got those skills. I mean, the nutmeg on Henderson is, is like, ooh, fire. You know, to, to dribble past Trent like he does, then to have the awareness of nutmegging Henderson at that pace, at that pace, in that um, area of the pitch and then it's a shame that the cross is not as good as the rest really but I, you knew that you knew that Trent would be in trouble at times and that he needed help I, look my view on both Trent and Robertson and maybe I look at this too much from the you know, old school Italian point of view is that I think these people are wingers playing wing back uh, playing full back yeah um and, it, and it's a definite net positive to have them in there. I'm sure you could tell Trent and Robertson to sit and to be conservative and to not come forward and to always stay in line with the center backs or whatever. And they would go out and do that. I don't think Trent yeah. Alexander-Arnold's one-on-one. I don't, I don't think that, that's his issue. I, I think one-on-one, he's fine as a defender. You know, Robertson may be a little bit better one-on-one, but I, I, think, I think we're right around there. I just think these arguments are stupid because Trent Alexander-Arnold is... I think probably right now he's probably Liverpool's most important playmaker apart from along with, with Thiago when Thiago plays, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so therefore, he, he's going to put himself in risky positions. We have, to get, we have to get around that. We have to stop with this nonsense about, well, if you're a, if you're a fullback, your first thing is you're a defender. No, that, that went no, out the no. window many years ago. Yeah, but fullback is an attacking position on these teams. True. And so I'm not going to go and have an issue at him if Martinelli, who I thought played really, really well. So I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, just siding yeah. with Klopp because it just really bugs me if he gets beat. Yeah, he'll get beaten occasionally. He'll leave space occasionally. Yeah, yeah, for That sure. is the price you pay. But it's, I think it's just interesting to analyse how the opposition team is trying to exploit that. So Leicester, the Liverpool, the goal comes from that from their left hand yeah, side, yeah. the Liverpool right hand side, because Trent and Henderson and Matip on that game were just, I think it was Matip or Konate, was were maybe not added completely. It could have exactly happened the same against Arsenal on Wednesday night. This time it didn't. But you know, you know, this is something you can exploit because Liverpool and Trent and Klopp are not going to change the way that right hand side is operating anyway. Let's talk about Mohamed Salah's foot because, you know, before the game, he makes the call to leave him on the bench. Mm. And I always kind of assume when that when that happens, you know, you're obviously not rotating. Your thinking is, okay, I'm going to leave him out. I have other options. I can live with a draw. Um, we'll see how the game goes. And then he decided to send him on. Was he concerned at that stage? Because if you have a foot injury, yeah, I can get the argument that you're going to aggravate it by playing 90 minutes and maybe you aggravate it less by playing... 25 minutes or however many minutes yeah. you play but was that his thinking or do you think it was a moment when Klopp said alright 
let's take these three points home and we're better off doing it with more on the pitch. No, I think I think Salah wanted to start. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he had a, a fitness test in the morning that worked well. We saw them walking around Hackney from the hotel and having that little uh, uh, promenade, and you know he looked he looked completely fine. I think it was a, a question of okay, let's not take a risk anyway. You just don't know. I think you, I don't think it was a bad injury at all or a serious one. You just don't know. Obviously, if you play 30 minutes instead of a 90, you divide it by you know by a lot. The risk of of another injury or get another right. knock on your foot. I think that was just the idea. You cannot, you know, at one nil, you still had to play him because the game was not in the bag just yet. So Salah was perfect to come on and score the second goal. And then, and then that was it. You had the three points. Turned out that it was Firmino who scored it. But I think it was still good for Salah. And just imagine you're the, the Arsenal defence. You're Kieran Tierney. And you've played well. And you've, you've been good against... Sadio Mane playing on the right-hand side and against Trent and then suddenly you see on the boards oh <laughs> no oh my god not this oh, guy <laughs> not him. Um, so yeah I think they played that perfectly um, we saw Firmino come on and score uh, in some ways with his injuries really I think the last season and a half he's been a little bit forgotten he's always yeah. you know yeah. if, if it was sort of this great front three now it was like Salah, Mane oh and Firmino right and, and Jota emerged and, yeah, and they got yeah. Luis Diaz um, he's very different from the other front men and I wonder with him coming back if he can have a sustained run of fitness I think he's so important as a link between midfield um, and attack especially because you know sort of my favorite themes Thiago Alcantara you never know if he's yeah. going to play or not, right? Yeah, I, if Thiago is fit, he's, but, but it's for me. If, if especially in games when Thiago's not there, yeah, for me, no, could be, potentially become critical. Huge. Yeah, massively. I think if if Thiago is fit, you play Jota for the efficiency. I mean, again, yesterday there's one chance, one goal. Firmino would not have scored that goal. Or Luis Diaz. Always Diaz, but right. even even Diaz is not a goal scorer yeah. like a pure one like like Jota is. What I find amazing, really, and I was thinking about that last night was. Is there a better front five in the world right now? I don't think so. Not even at City in the sense, before you jump on the City point, in the sense of where they all have such a different skill set, all five of them, and complement each other so well. Diaz, Mane, Salah, Jotan, Firmino. I don't think there's a more complete front five. And I'm not even sure that in the past you've had a team with a front five like this, so different to the point gap that they can almost play all together. And they would all bring something different to your team. And, uh, I seem, and it's not impossible, but maybe one day club we said, you know what, let's have, a, let's have fun and let's have all those five together and see what happens. But I even think that they could actually play the five of them together and not make the same runs, not drop the same way, not do the same thing together, which I think is incredible. I think you make a great point about this, about how different the five of them are. And in some ways, it's counterintuitive that you would have because Liverpool are a team that is very much about the patterns of play. Yeah. This is a really, really, this, this isn't like, a, you know, one of those teams like, I remember, you know, what, like Max Allegri would say, he's like, oh, well, you know, have those three guys out there, they're up front, they're so good, just let them play and they'll figure it out yeah. because they're so talented, right? Um, that's not what Klopp does with his teams. There are schematics, there are patterns of play. It's very obvious, yeah. especially if you see Liverpool play in person. And so you have players with different skill sets who interpret those same patterns of play differently and there's no drop off in in continuity and quality you know when when robinson is going to hit a cross your ball 
he knows that whether it's Salah or, or, or Jota or, or, or whoever he hits it to, he knows they're going to make a different kind of run. And yet, he still knows what to do in the moment. Did you, yeah, did you yeah, see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand how close... I know he's been there a long time. But I don't understand how he does that. Because that strikes to me. When you speak to managers, the complaint is always, at least the ones I talk to, is, well, we didn't have enough time to work on this. Well, yeah, we more yeah, time, yeah. blah, blah, blah. The guy doesn't have that many training sessions. Even Luis Diaz arrives, yeah. they drop him in, That's and he has an instant stunning. impact. I, I don't know if this is scouting that they do beforehand and they figure out that the guy will naturally do certain things. Yeah, I don't know if it's just setting out. If it's, if it's Klopp being able to condense what would take somebody else 20 minutes to explain if he does it in 30 seconds. Um, but to me, that is really, really remarkable. Yeah, and I, it's one of the strengths, um, without question, of, of Liverpool. And I think yeah. what, part of what makes Klopp so good. And you um, see on the Jota goal, just to finish on that, the run from Mane that takes away, that messes up completely the Arsenal defence, then for Jota to have the space for Thiago to put that perfect Well, even if Ramsdale makes a mistake and maybe should save it, should not save it, it doesn't matter. It's the way they build that goal. That is, that is, I think, absolutely incredible. And, and again, this is something that they must work on so much training. And when you see it working in the game like this, of this magnitude, such a key part of the season, I think as a, as a manager, you must be like, oh, okay, all of this is worth it. All right, let's talk about Arsenal and Arteta and how you react to this. Because Spurs are now three points behind. Arsenal have two games in hand. Yeah. But they're against Chelsea and Spurs. Yeah. Lose both those games, yeah. and it's entirely possible they will. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're away from home. Both. Better. They're both are away from home. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're level on Spurs. You're behind Spurs yeah. even if somehow you drop points at Villa this weekend. Yeah. And then that five-game spell where Arsenal were so good and so convincing goes out the window. Five and a half yeah. if you want to include the first half. The what message, does Arteta no, say? The me, now he has to say, listen, Liverpool were always going to be t too strong for us. This is not who we compete with right now. They, they are, them and City and, and Chelsea to a certain extent are still, are still way better than us. But what we're doing is great. I think they're still, they are tactically the fourth, the fourth best team in the country with, with no doubt. Tactically? Tactically. What does that mean? I think what Arteta does on the pitch, the shape with the ball, without the ball, the patterns of play that you mentioned about Liverpool before, the way they can press and counter-press, the way they drop, the median block, everything that they do and they work the long hours on is, is starting to, to show and to work. So there's no reason for them to either doubt, to crumble in a way. The Villa game is going to be such an open game that they can easily go there and win by a two-goal margin, or because Villa are going to attack. Villa are going to attack. Mati Cash is going to attack on the right-hand side. For example, they will have attacking wing, attacking fullbacks. They will have a lot of movement. Jacob, Jacob Ramsey and Coutinho and all of that. Ings, Watkins, whatever Gerard does. This is a much easier game, I think, for Arsenal to approach. I'm not saying they're going to win for sure. To approach than a Burnley away, for example, where they would have had a lot of the ball and it would have been hard and hard to break down. I think this is going to be far more open, which I think suits them. So go and say, let's keep the same thing that has worked so well. It's just that Liverpool were just too good. And you were even close, far closer than in the reverse fixture, far closer than in the, in the League Cup. You got closer, which shows your progress. But still, they're still too good for you right now. So there's no need to panic or no need to get alarmed or get worried. Or again, try to change something when there's no reason to. 
flip side of that, I agree with you. This is the right message that, that he, you know, he's going to want to try to send. But equally, I wonder if you're a player, you know, you went out there, you gave it your best against Liverpool. You know that Liverpool have played a bazillion games this year, which is why they're in the running for the quadruple. Yeah. You know that Arsenal don't play European football this season. And then you hear your manager come out and make a big stink out of the fact that you have a 12.30 kickoff against Aston Villa after having played on Wednesday night. Now, and in fact, he was so harsh, there's even some suggestions that, you know, the Premier League might, um, just with his choice of words, the Premier League might even look into investigating him, possibly fining him for what he said. Um, I don't want to get into whether he has a point. I mean, you can tell me if you want to, but I'm just wondering. You play Wednesday night at home. You play on Saturday at 12.30 instead of at 5.30, right? Birmingham is an hour and a half away on the train. Yeah. What, what are you complaining about? I mean, I, I, is this, I, is it, does this send the right message that I'm worried about it? Why not just go out and say, I don't care? I don't know if you I don't care. I, I would love to have more time training, but you know what? We've had plenty of midweek uh, training sessions available because we don't play European football this no, season. I know, I know. So we're stronger than that. We showed in the first half. We're going to come out and we're going to do our best against Villa. I don't care. Yeah, Why not come out and know. say that? What, what can you change by, by complaining about, about this? No, he clearly wanted to play on the Sunday and on Saturday. But it's fine. Okay, go ahead. Next 24 hours. No, but they've played Sunday, 4.30 kickoff, Wednesday night, early Saturday. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's, if it's almost to make a point to the Premier League for next time. Right. For the next and time. And what point are you sending spot. to your players that you're concerned about this and that this is a problem? This is the no, thing no, that No, but gets don't me. forget as well that in the back of his mind... He has 11 players. Okay, 12, because you bring Smith Rowe in. He's got 12 players. You know, when Tomiyasu will be back, he can make it 13 because Cedric has done well, to be fair to him, in the last few weeks. So if you had a a very strong in quality and quantity squad with depth, with 20 players that you could rotate, maybe he doesn't do that. Maybe he doesn't say that. I can guarantee you, had they won or drawn against Liverpool, he would not have said that either. But I don't know, maybe he felt that he doesn't change his lineup. His lineup is always the same. It's the same 11 players the whole time. And maybe Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday early is too much. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I, I thought it was a mistake to come out and say maybe, that. Because but maybe you need the data to know who is, who is on the edge physically, who is really tired, and, and the extra five hours that you might have got for Saturday late kickoff or Sunday even more might have helped you. I don't know. I don't right. know. And then there's the other argument, which I'm sure if this goes out on Twitter people are going to point out is that well the reason you're getting that is you get more exposure for your sponsors it's a more prestigious kickoff time and here's what allows you to go and spend money and pay your wages and your players wages as well right yeah, because of course no because of the reality well. if they play on if they play on Sunday they're up against the FA Cup they're up against Man City they're up against whoever's in the early kickoff and whatever else yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they no, don't sure. have the stage all to themselves no that's true and they couldn't play at 5.30 on uh, on on Saturday because that is an FA Cup time slot true. and also Chelsea played on Wednesday so obviously Chelsea can't have the early kickoff because Chelsea are a far more important team well I'm they were away in France so that's they were they were in a different yeah, country yeah. and they're going away to Middlesbrough five hours on possibly possibly alright title race We'll say it on the line. You say Arsenal, I say City. I'm just going to tell you. Liverpool, yeah. Sorry, you say Liverpool. Yeah, Arsenal. Arsenal. Uh, one day. One maybe, day. maybe, yeah. Okay. Uh, if we live long enough. Um, <laughs> I say City for the simple reason that when I look at this, well, A, they have, these are the reasons. One, they have the point advantage. Two, the head-to-head is at home. Yeah. Three, 
I don't think, as I've used this line before, everybody's important, nobody's indispensable on this city team. Um, you can take pieces out and put other pieces in, yep. and there's really not a drop-off. Four, I think they're playing well. I don't care they drop points against Palace. I thought yeah, they played really well in that points. game. And they, they, they could have won. Generally, if you play well, you tend to win. Um, five, they've been there before. And six, I think Liverpool, if they get hit by injuries and suspensions, it would hurt them more than it would hurt Manchester City. These are my six reasons. Liverpool, you mean? Yeah, Liverpool, yeah. yeah. Okay. I give you the fixture list, which is a bit your point, because the City fixture list is easier than the Liverpool one, in the sense that Liverpool still have to play, obviously, as you say, away at City, United, the derby against Everton, they've got Spurs as well. When City, apart from the Liverpool game, uh, that, that's all in, the big, in the, you right. know, the big clashes that they have. But I think this is actually a better thing for Liverpool. I think Liverpool would rather play Spurs than uh, a game away where they're fighting for their lives and re against relegation and all of that. The other one, only one game this season where Liverpool haven't scored, four games for City. You can talk about all the talent that you want, all the players that they can change and move and rotate and etc. They are games where they cannot break the deadlock. They cannot find a way of scoring. And I think this is an issue. They've got Mo Salah, Liverpool, who is the most clutch player you can find in this league and in this country. And I think that he will keep being clutch between now and the end of the season. And also, they've got the momentum. Nine wins in a row. I told you already, in those nine wins, City dropped seven yeah. points. In nine games, City dropped, just dropped, not, 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 not six months ago. Just now, City have dropped seven points in the last nine Premier League games. This is not, this is not a good rhythm. This is not a good pattern. This is not good form. For a team like City to drop seven yeah. points in nine. Seven points in nine, Gab. All right. The problem with momentum is that momentum comes to an end. So, uh, yeah, once we'll see who's right. That's title. a good thing. I'm just like we have a title race. Yeah, yeah I love neutral. it. I still love you when my team Fantastic. will win the title race. You know, like Liverpool will win the title race. No problem. I'll wait for Paris Saint-Germain to the <laughs> Premier League and win it. enough Premier League. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gav. Atletico Madrid knocked Manchester United out of the Champions League. Jules, oh, it feels yeah. once again like the sky is falling. Of course. We'll get into that, but um, can we start with some love for El Cholo Simeone? Some love for, what, the perfect plan? The way he set up, the way... They but you knew that was going to happen, right? So he did what he always does. And it doesn't always work. He doesn't always get I know, done. But he goes when to you face Trafford, a team like that in shambolic... This was a shambles from United. And yet, you're right, Simone and the players deserve credit. The goal is fantastic. You know, the way they, when they recovered the ball, when Ronaldo recovered the ball, the way they moved that ball, and then the, the little back hit from Joao Felix, the right foot cross from, from Griezmann, the header from Renan Lodi, okay, no problem. Where's the defence? Shambolic. Shambolic. Where's the counter-press? Shambolic. What are you going to counter-press with Cristiano Ronaldo? You've just the lost the... It doesn't matter. Okay, not even the... Uh, so my, that was my next Defend point. positionally. Coach yeah, them to defend yeah. positionally. So that's what you do. No counter-press, but again, that's not a surprise. You're right. right. Your organization without the ball, the shape without the ball once you've lost it, inexistent. Shambolic. The substitutions from Ralf Ragnick? Shambolic. You didn't like How Mata on coming earth, on to hit a free kick. One Mata can play 10 minutes in a game like this, of this magnitude, when your neck is on the line, or your head is on the line, or your back is on whatever the, the words. Juan Mata, really? 
Read. You sound like Paul Scholes demolishing Ralph Rangnick. No, 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 Rangnick. no, no. I like Ralph Rangnick. I like him. I like him. I, I have no problem with... Listen, at that You point, have no problem with Juan Mata coming on for the last 10 minutes of that game? Really? I, what are the solutions? Mata's Keep Elanga on the pitch. He's still your best player. He had the only two chances that you created. Like, like the one that he hits off of All Black's big head. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, but that's, okay. you know, but, okay. and then the shot, that just goes like, wide. I, I'm not going to criticize. At that point, I mean, all bets are off. You're sending Mata on because you hope Be for his delivery you on, don't, a, on a corner you kick, don't a set piece. Why? What, what delivery? What? They never score on set pieces and he never takes them anyway. What other reason is there for Mata to be on? But I think he looked at the bench and so, said, oh, no, I left myself short here. What can I do? Hey, Juan, stop playing Wardle. Come and have a go on the pitch. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> the good thing that Simeone did, which we all expected, was make them play narrow centrally because they blocked the wings. They could not play with the wingers, with the fullbacks. And, and United and Rangnick had no answer to it. That's I don't it. think United played as badly as oh, you did. Come on. But well done, well, well done, El Cholo. Marcus Rashford apologised to supporters after an incident that occurred after the game when he was leaving Old Trafford and walking towards his car. Gab, your thoughts? So, look, um, I don't have a problem with him apologising. It was the right thing to do. He's, he's played poorly. He's been playing poorly for a long time. Yeah. His PR people, who have done such a great job, with him and he he himself has done a great job um with all the stuff off the pitch maybe also the some of the leaked information about his contract maybe not the smartest thing to do because i'm gonna assume it was them who leaked it um i i'm glad he came out and he did that you know he said yeah. he i can understand his frustration i will always defend supporters as long as they remain within the realm of yeah. civility from the video i heard and again he says there's two sides to everything we don't know what happens before the video you know they weren't going and abusing him in an inappropriate way maybe it happened before and we didn't see it yeah yeah maybe um but he did something he regrets, shouldn't have, and apologized for it. I just move on. Move on yeah, yeah, I think and so help him get back to be the player that he was, whether it's going to be at United or somewhere else. Yeah. In fact, it was a bad day for United all around, uh, an especially bad day for the Pogba household, whose home was burgled, Jules. Yeah, during the game, right uh, before the end of the game, as, as Paul was playing, uh, the two children were in the house. Uh, not on their own, of course. Yeah, can I stress that? Because people put this out. I retweeted Pogba's statement, and people are like, oh, why does he leave his babies at well, home no, alone? They were, like, you know, no, they're not alone. The family, exactly. yeah, they're just not under armed guard. You yeah, know? and like, they're still young. that They go, they don't go to watch a game until, until uh, 10 o'clock in the evening or something. Uh, I can see how traumatizing this should be for Pogba and his wife. And obviously, not that the children noticed anything, but still, I can understand that their securities. Yeah. So, yeah, one, one day to forget, for sure. Unai Emery does it again as Juventus lose 3-0 at home to Villarreal and crash out of the Champions League gap. In the last three years, they've gone out to Porto, Lyon, and now Villarreal. So there's a macro aspect to this, which is repeated failure. And if you want to be mean, say, aha, that's why Andrea Nelly wants a Super League. Yeah, exactly. Ha, Shambo Shambolic again Shambolic, as well. Shambolic, yes. Uh, but look, different managers, different players. I think in this one, I think one of my colleagues in Italy tweeted out something that, you know, if you generally play poorly most of the time, it's really difficult to turn it up and say, and say oh, yeah, we're going to play well today and do it for 90 minutes. Fair they enough. did it for a half. They did it for 60 yeah, they minutes. they played well the first half. They had their chances. Yeah. But this goes back to the first leg when, you know, they could have put the game away and they Completed. didn't. Um, we can give Unai Emery credit. I think to a certain point because ultimately the plan was to just frankly sit and defend yeah. Yeah. and 
that was that, and that's fine. And then take an opportunity if it comes. They did that. They did that well. Um, and Uday Emery is through. I think there's going to be more soul searching for Allegri. I think it's going to impact them, obviously, financially. And that's going, sure. to, that's going to have repercussions going forward. Um, they need to do better. They need to play better regularly. We yeah. said this all along. I agree with you. Closing the gap in Serie A, but they're not playing better. And Adrian Rabio, I'm still not sure what's the choose in that team. Rabio is a liability. I mean, <laughs> so that's what he is. Chelsea get it done by winning away to Lille, uh, Jules. They showed a reaction after going a goal down. Yeah, not that I, I think it was difficult. The idea was very much to control the game. He played the three defensive midfielder, if you want, Conte, Kovacic and Jorginho, which is quite rare. Which we haven't seen that before. Where we saw against City and that didn't really work out at all last time for Bridge in the league. But this game was very different. And even when Burak Ilma scored the penalty, you knew that Chelsea would come back. Lovely, lovely ball through. Through ball, sorry, by Jorginho. Thank Great you, by Pulisic, yeah. Can I just say that's two lovely through balls from Jorginho? It's fantastic, row. you're right. And then after that, they just, yeah, they were too good anyway for Lille. But I like the way Lille fought this one and, and stayed in the game in a way. Gab, tomorrow is the deadline for bidders to submit their offers to buy Chelsea Football Club. How is it going? And is your boy Gianluca Vialli really involved with one of the bidders? I would love that. Uh, well, uh, indirectly, the company that he uh, he co-owns, Tifosi, is they're consulting on the bid by you know who, no. the Candyman. I love it. The Candyman. I'll I'll I'll, I'll choose a Candyman Viali bid. Uh, it's it's interesting. So yeah, the deadline is tomorrow. Again, I think if somebody comes up with more money on Monday, they're not going to send them away. Yeah, it's really interesting that the different groups that have come out of the woodwork there's a gold mine owner in ghana there's a guy in turkey there's a guy in saudi there's a whole raft of people in, in the, the u.s. US including mr ricketts who uh from from the from the chicago cubs yeah uh by the way it's the old ricketts the guy who said some very inappropriate and offensive things and then apologized them about muslims it's not him it's a son yeah, it's yeah, a family yeah, yeah. you know but um we'll see where this goes i think there's gonna be lots to talk about there yeah yeah Sticking with Chelsea, though, Thomas Tuchel says the team had nothing to do with the club's request to play this weekend's FA Cup game against Middlesbrough behind closed doors to, quote, preserve sporting integrity. I'm, I'm, I'm lo I love the fact that he feels like he has to say it because we all knew that was not his choice or Angolo Conte saying, uh, sorry, can we play behind closed doors at Middlesbrough because <laughs> our fans are not allowed to go? Uh, in a way, I'm sorry that Tuchel and the players found themselves in this situation, especially when there's a PR disaster like this request. I think... I think Chelsea as a club knew very straight away that it was the it was a wrong call and 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 so who made that, the call? I guess someone at the club. I don't know. It who, was funny. The the liver. They should be the, ashamed. The, whoever the one thing I take on, I'll take issue with the Middlesbrough owner um, Gibson, Gibson, Steve Gibson, yeah, yeah, had, Steve Gibson. who's won the cup for a long, long time. Yeah. So one thing I thought was a little bit pot and kettleish. Um, he had to go at Chelsea and Abramovich and really harsh words for Bruce yeah, Buck. And as far as I know, Bruce Buck. Uh, his assets haven't been frozen, by the way. No, not yet. Anyway, yeah. um, but but he said, "Oh, and one of the things is they spent a lot of money and contributed to inflationary pressure and so on." Yeah, you might want to rewind twenty-five years to the golden age of Middlesbrough when you were signing Juninho. Oh yeah, and exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like, they you can have a go at him for many things. Yeah. not spending money in the game. I think that's a bit. Yeah, it is a bit shocking. Amsterdam, Gab as a late Darwin Nunez score sends Benfica through against Ajax. Oh my days. I refer you back earlier this year when yeah. I was all hyped about Darwin Nunez. Like, why are we talking about Darwin Nunez? Okay, well, this is why he comes up big. Look, talk about one-way traffic in this game. This, yeah. was, this game was so Ajax. It was 
basically Spurs. They dominated. They created a million chances. Nunez's uh, goal was, I think, Benfica's only shot on target. It was, indeed. Um, uh, they expected goal is 0.28, I think. Something crazy. Well done, Benfica. Yeah. Borussia Dortmund win in Mainz with a late Axel Witzel goal, and they're now just four points behind Bayern, and yeah. there's a head to come. Jules, do we have a Bundesliga title race? So I'm watching this game, right? And as we said before, you cannot, you can never rely on Borussia, on this Borussia Dortmund team, and then nil-nil, and then they're not actually playing great, and Erling Haaland has come on, and and all of that, and you're thinking like, okay, they're going to drop more points because they look so fragile. They conceded so many chances, and and you're thinking like they're going to drop points, and then. When we think, okay, they can win and maybe give themselves a chance, it's not going to happen. And then Axel Witzel, of, of all people, really coming big and scoring that goal. It's four points. They still have to go to Munich to play Bayern. Uh, they're not go- I don't think they're going to win the title at all. But at least they give themselves a chance and for us something to talk about. Mm. So, hey, why not? Sticking with Dortmund, Matthias Zammer, who is now a consultant to the club, said in a TV interview, Gab, that Erling Haaland is going to join City and that he's going to, pay, to be paid so much that he can't even count high. I think he said he, he fainted when he saw the offer that City made for Erling Haaland. Yeah, look, I, I'm glad Matthias Zammer likes his little TV theatre and whatever. Yeah, the punchlines. Um, my understanding is that uh, Holland's future has yet to be decided about where he's going. Um, Surely he's got an idea. Surely. He, oh, he may have an idea, but I don't think Matthias Zammer, it's not, I don't think it's done. I think Real Madrid are still very much in the running. Uh, Jan Agafjortov even suggesting Bayern have an outside chance. Okay. I tend to believe that Jan Agafjortov, funnily enough, knows a little bit more about, um, about Holland's future Matthias than Matthias Zammer. Maybe, maybe. Just maybe. Just maybe. Real Madrid went away to Mallorca on Monday night to go 10 points clear, and your boy Karim Benzema makes history. Oh, yeah, Gabi does, because he scored two goals in that game, which means that he overtook... Thierry Henry as the top goal scorer in French football history. So imagine all the French players, all the strikers, all their goals together, national team, European competition, even domestic Fontaine. competition, even Jules Fontaine, even Michel Platini, even Jean-Pierre Papin, whoever you want. And that Karim is on 4-1-3, 413 goals in his whole career. And Thierry was on 4-1-1. So well done to Karim Benzema for yet another record. I mean, it's just incredible, I think, again, at 34 years old, to, to be maybe the best player that you've ever been in your career, better than when you were 17, better when you were 25, better than when you were 30. I find it just incredible. On our FedEx Monsters uh, segment, we were asked to choose between Benzema and Lewandowski. It was me, Don Hutchinson and Steve yeah. Nichol. Tell me you chose Kareem the Dream. Uh, Stevie Nichol and I chose Kareem the Dream. Kareem the Dream. Sticking with that game, Gab, where Mallorca, Vinicius was racially abused by some Mallorca fans. Gab, this is the second time this happened this season. So I think there's two ways to look at this. Um, Objectively, it happens less than it happened before. It happens too many times, and we're talking about it. And this is why we're talking about it. We have to talk about it. There are cameras in the stadium. It's a big story in Spain. This wouldn't have been a big story 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, You can only hope that those people are found and dealt with immediately. Yeah. Tottenham continue their pattern of a loss, followed by a win, followed by a loss, followed by a win. <laughs> they beat Brighton 2-0. Jules, fourth place is just three points away. Of course, but we've always said that it was, it was, they, was, they still had the chance. They've got that game in hand against mm-hmm. Arsenal. We well, said that Conte earlier. didn't say that. Conte said they have a 1% chance. Yeah, but he knows that's not true. And by the way, they won two in a row, didn't they? Everton and Leeds. Uh, but still, the yo-yo was very much the pattern for the season since, uh, well, especially in the recent more weeks for Conte. 
you know what? I believe in them. I believe in them. They've got a game uh, this weekend against West Ham. That's huge, huge for this fourth. You heard it. Race. You believe in them. That means exactly. that means Spurs are finishing fourth, not well, Arsenal. That's but... what you said. Our colleague Yayan Gofiotov says that Lewandowski is ready to have uh, to leave Bayern this summer, Gab, and he wants one last big move, and that Bayern have an outside chance of getting Erling Haaland to replace him. What do you think? So my thought here is pretty simple. Um, Lewandowski wants. A new contract because he wants security and whatever else. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he wants one last move. I don't know what the market for him is realistically going to be. I don't see why Bayern would would frankly let him go. I don't see Bayern going in and getting Holland. I mean, even even Jan says that you know it's going to be very very. Yeah, it's a long shot. It's yeah. it's a real long yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, I'm not suggesting Jan isn't Erling Holland's agent or representative, but I think he knows. Yeah. I think he knows uh, yeah. uh, Erling's dad pretty well. You know, yeah, does yeah, yeah, known for a long so. time. So, yeah. um, I think this is a case of Pini Zahavi doing his job as Lewandowski's agent and saying, like, "Hey, you know, I want a longer deal. I feel I deserve a deal beyond next season." But equally, if I'm Bayern, why gotta give you a deal? Why? I mean, no, I agree with you. But that's why maybe they got to a point where they clash and Lewandowski said, "Okay, I'm off." And then he goes to PSG to replace Kylian, or I don't know, wherever he wants to go. PSG, there you go. You heard it here first. Now, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Lewandowski has a real uh, appetite. Maybe. I think he can just play his cards, play another season. You're so fit. If you wanted to do that, then leave as a free agent. And I'll tell you what, free agent year's time, uh, with another tremendous season under his belt, clubs will be lining up to sign Robert Lewandowski. Ronald Koeman continues to speak out, Jules. He says he was deeply hurt that Jean Laporta told him he was going to be sacked on the plane on the way back from a game against Lyle. And that he said this when the players were behind him and within earshot. Surely you have sympathy now, no? Please stop talking, Ronald. Please, please. And I promise you I will never call you the Dutch guy again. Why are you still going on? We are in March. You were sacked so many, so long ago, so many weeks ago. What's, wait, wait, let go. Why are you still talking about it? Why are you so upset with it? Just let go, please. This is really winding me up. I don't understand why you keep opening his mouth about, oh, the way they sack me, the way they do this. Please, you were never good enough for that job anyway. Just let go. Speaking of Barcelona, Gab, La Liga published their salary cap for next season. Real Madrid uh, have a spending limit of 739 million euros. However, Barcelona, not so much. Their spending limit is minus 144 million. Minus? Yes. How, what, what does this mean? They're the only club in Spain's top two divisions have a negative oh, one. Um, remember, we all freaked out because it was 93 million this year. And like, yeah. oh, they have to make so many cuts. Now it's negative 144 million. There's a couple of things to say here. One is it's not a question of Barcelona getting to zero because that would basically mean they. It can't happen. They would have no players. This literally, you could mean, oh, look, the players have to pay Barcelona for the privilege (laughs) to play. That's not what it means, right? Um, Also, it's important to note that this is a snapshot in time. This is where they're at now. Um, That spending cap can change because they can get new revenue in. So there's different revenues that they hope to get in. All these deals. So there's the Spotify deal, which we're going to talk about in a minute yeah, yeah. there's the there's a suggestion they might sell yeah. barcelona studios or or a, a portion of it um there's also the famous cvc CV, deal yeah. all this money can come in to improve the situation um however all these things come with caveats because obviously you're selling assets that you can only sell once right if you take the cvc money it's not like you're gonna get that every year yeah so there's still a ton to be done um so until that happens that that four to one deal applies they can only bring in new players 
So basically, if they make a hundred million in savings, yeah. they can spend twenty-five million on wages plus amortization on new players. Okay. Um, But does that mean that someone like Frankie de Jong, for example, who is one of the biggest assets, could be sold, especially if Frank Cassier comes as a free agent at the same time? Is I that mean, what they're going to try to look for, for 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 space somewhere in that wage bill? This is the this is the obvious thing that that you're looking at, right? Um, I don't see. I mean, there's still some savings. Maybe they can sell Coutinho yeah. uh, or or whatever. But you know, I think we can put the Erling Holland stuff to one I side for so now. Um, and it just tells you that this hole was so big that they're in. It's going to take time to get out of it. This is not a one-season thing. This is a multiple-season situation. Um, maybe you can find a buyer for Memphis Depay. Yeah, uh, although, again, right. Memphis Depay arrived on a free transfer, right? So, um, you know, the good news is whatever you get in for him plus the savings on his wages. But how much can you get for Memphis Depay? Yeah. You know, can you get $30 million? Yeah, $20, $30 And then his wages? But then how does, you know, <laughs> it's a long oh, way off to wow. get to Holland. So, or, or people it's like crazy, that. So yeah. it just shows you how serious situation. I think there's going to have to be further Um, pay cuts yeah. uh, from uh, from certain people to, to if they're going to make this happen or maybe GRP retires. I don't know. Yeah, something. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, they're going to have to work with with what they have. Um, now, speaking of that Spotify deal, Jules, yeah, it may help the club in upcoming seasons. But does it feel weird to you that a club that for most of its history yeah. had the Mexican club thing, they didn't have a sponsor? Um, they're not going to have it plastered all over their men's team, their women's team, the, the stadium. I mean. It's going to be the Spotify Camp Now. It sounds weird to me because Camp Now in Catalan, but I think believes, I think means, you know, our field, our house, no, yeah, yeah. Spotify's field. I know, I know. Um, I think it's really strange. Maybe it's the natural evolution in a way that when you grow, you need that kind of revenue coming in. I, I don't know. I'm very surprised. I love the fact growing up that they they were not sold to sponsors and partners and all of that. And they, they, the shirt was so pure because it was without anything. Then they put UNICEF in there to prepare for what comes next. And after that, they started selling the shirt, the shirt deal. So I think it's, it's very disappointing. Maybe they said they didn't have the choice. That's the only way they could do that. Spotify deal can help them massively and save some jobs in, in the employees and stuff like that. I don't know, but yeah, I think it is a bit like, Barcelona don't have an owner who can loan them yeah. money. They don't have That's someone how who can put in equity. This is how they're structured. Yeah, exactly. It's the way of the world. I would prefer so to maybe. laud the fact that they held out for so long yeah, okay. rather than that the you fact that, that, that they gave in and you know they're paying for the mistakes and I think at some point there will be a naming rights for the Bernabeu in Madrid as well you know this is this is I think some something that big clubs do Frank Kessier is reportedly very close to uh, turning down Milan's offer of a new contract and joining Barcelona on a free transfer Gab assuming they find the money do you like that deal that move I love this move. I think Frank Kessie is a phenomenal player. Love I it. don't love it so much. I mean, you'd be disappointed if you're Milan and Quincy leaving, fans, but equally, yeah. you know, like Milan have a policy. They're sticking to it with the wages. And yeah. and uh, and fair enough. I think it would be a tremendous fit um, just simply because of the running, because the energy he gives, the intelligence, the penalties he takes. Yeah, of course. Um, the socks, you know. Uh, you know, he's a real leader. And I think it gives you a physicality and an impact that, you know, if you look at this midfield with, with Pedri and, and, and Gavi and so on, what he is not, And I hope they all realize this. He's not a replacement for Busquets. That is not the position no. he plays. You know, it's going to be Nico. Very it's going to be somebody yeah, else yeah, who, yeah, who replaces him. You're even better off at playing De Jong if you keep him. Yeah. But again, as we said, 
they may need to sacrifice somebody even to they've bring got in a lot of midfielders now. Really a lot of midfielders. Nico, Pedri, Gavi, Busquets, Frankie, Casey. Ricky Pooch scored Ricky Pooch if you want. Yeah. <laughs> well, on to happier things. Christian Eriksen has been called up by Denmark boss Kasper Hulman for friendlies against Holland yes. and Serbia. The World Cup dream. Yes, and we applaud. This is an amazing news. Well done. I mean, he played... He started the last two games with, Bright, with Brentford, sorry. I think playing 90 minutes twice. So he's clearly... On great form is fair. I don't. I think all of us would be huge Denmark fans for this international break. Even even the Swedes, even the Norwegian, even the Finns. Everybody will be behind Denmark just to see Christian being back there. It's, it's an incredible miracle again, and I'm very happy about it. Maybe not so much the Dutch and the Serbs. Maybe not, but they're still friendly, you know. Divo Karigi is out of contract in the summer, uh, and he's being linked with. And moved to Milan, Gab. He's 27 next month and well rested because he, he never plays. Do you like the, this idea? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I know Milan obviously they got the impact with the older strikers, Giroud and, and uh, Andy Ibrahimovic, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, and yeah, he is well rested and he's not a bad player, but he's going to be on significant wages. I think Milan are better off. Extend, you know, keep Giroud and Ibra around for another season and I find agree. some money on somebody younger. Um, I, I don't see Origi all of a sudden. I mean, maybe he does. Not. At 27, he moves somewhere in a free transfer and he turns into the player that you know we thought he, he might be when he first came up. Yeah. I don't. I know he scored important goals. That's great, but you know, let him stick around to Liverpool and keep scoring important goals for them. <laughs> now, I find it incredible that Christopher Nkunku is 24 years old yeah. and has as many caps for France as I do. Jules, that's going to change, right? It is an applaud again. Amazing. Finally, Didier Deschamps uh, take off the blinkers. Well, I don't know, maybe he was not watching the Bundesliga, not watching Leipzig. We've said Nkunku has been on fire since the start of the season. I mean, probably the last 18 months, really. This call-up should have come way, way earlier than this. But he's finally here. Uh, I really hope he doesn't get any injury or COVID between now and when they meet on Monday. Uh, because he deserves it, incredible. Some people have sending me messages on what's on on Twitter saying, "Oh, maybe he should even start ahead of Griezmann." Okay, let's let's take our time. This is the first call up. He's been amazing for Leipzig in a team that is built around him. Let's see how he settles with France and all of that. But it's amazing. And the other one that should be called up is Jonathan Close, the uh, right wing back at Lens, who's having an amazing season, who's a very late bloomer, and who completely deserves the call up as well. So well done, Deschamps, and well done, and Kunku. And Future Close. Bayern wing back, Jonathan Close. Well, maybe Possibly. Santa Close, if you want to call him as well. <laughs> you know, that's his nickname. <laughs> Newcastle manager Eddie Howe, whose club is owned by Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth funds, has been criticized, Gab, for not speaking out about the human rights record in Saudi Arabia when asked the question. He says that football is his specialist subject and if he deviates from that, he's on a dangerous grounds. Do you understand where he's coming from? 100% understand where he's coming from. And look, football doesn't, excuse, doesn't exist in a vacuum. Now, we're talking about this because Saudi Arabia's regime is what it is in terms yeah, of yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah. human rights record. You know, recently 80 plus uh, executions. Um, but we knew this when the Premier League allowed allowed them to buy the club. Now, before the people come out and say, no, but the sovereign wealth fund and the government are separate entities. They're not. Literally, a sovereign wealth fund means the money belonging to the people of Saudi Arabia. Exactly. So stop it with this. Whatever legal shenanigans you want to come up with, yeah. the guy who runs a sovereign wealth fund is Mohammed bin Salman. It's the same person exactly. who runs Saudi Arabia. Right? So stop it with that. 
equally understand any house as he is a professional. He has a job to do. The reason this is under scrutiny is because of what's going on in Ukraine and because of Abramovich. Yeah. He's in this situation. Um, I don't understand what people expect Eddie Howe to say. Right? He's not an idiot. Right? He knows what the situation is like. I would like to hope that he disagrees with a totalitarian yeah, regime so. that you know does what they do in Yemen and whatnot. Yeah. But bringing this up every press conference, what do you expect him? Yeah, what do you no, expect no. him to say? You know, he That's either gets up and walks away and says, "I have a moral issue with this," but then he probably should have had the moral issue when Before he took the job. The job yeah. Now that he's in the job. Ask him football questions. I think there's other questions to be asked. Newcastle sponsors, perhaps, or so on. You know, I think it's always positive if we shine a light and put pressure. But we can't just put it all on Eddie Howe because he's the only one who will come out and talk. Yeah. Atletico Madrid, this is interesting, right? Um, and I'm wondering, pe- people love to draw massive conclusions, <laughs> right? We haven't had the death of Italian football one with all the Italian clubs being out. Yeah. Except for Atalanta and Roma, right? We're all Mourinho fans and Gasparini fans until yeah, exactly. possibly they get knocked out tonight. Um we love drawing big conclusions, and obviously the big thing, big novelty this year was uh, no away goals rule. Yeah, finally. So I'm going to ask you, we saw two things. First of all, in the last half hour of the um, United Atletico Madrid game, the ball in play time was only 11 minutes. <laughs> Out of 30. Which love is, it. Which is very Dark low. Hearts. Very low. That projects to 33 minutes, over, had it been like that throughout the whole game, which obviously it wasn't. Um, and the other one is, certainly this week, all four away teams. Yeah. Um, one away from home. All second seeds, by the way. Um, yeah. are, is that related? And also, obviously, Liverpool also, um, you know, at home, uh, lost at home as well. So five of the eight, yeah. if you look at it globally, uh, lost at home. Um, anything to read into that? I don't know if it's a direct relationship or not, or direct impact gap. I'm very happy that the away goal rules is, is gone. Uh, I think it means everybody has to attack, everybody has to go and play and score. I can guarantee you that Juventus would have easily settled for a nil-nil draw at home against Villarreal on Wednesday night. 100%. 100%. And I'm glad they, they could not do that. And I'm going to say it again. You might disagree with me. You cannot qualify for the next round of the Champions League with two draws. It's impossible. You need to go and win the game. If you win on penalties, it's still a win. You still won on penalties. But a team that draw 1-1 away and nil-nil at home and qualifies is not right. This is not fair. This is not right. I'm glad this away rule is gone. Maybe that's the reason why the away teams you know, went away and played well and, and because the, the home team could not just settle and, and, and keep the result from, from their away game. But I just, I just love it. I enjoyed every single second leg that we saw between this week and last week. Maybe not so much of Real Madrid PSG one, but you know, for different <laughs> reasons. So I am glad. I am glad. What about that. the ball and play time? Because there is, there's been this proposal yeah, been around for thirty years. Yeah, yeah. I look. I, I think it's one hundred percent correct. I think we will get there one day. Is stop the clock. Stop the clock. Yeah. Play okay. two thirty-minute halves. Right. The goal is to have sixty minutes of ball and play time. FIFA have been saying this forever. Yeah. Some games you reach that. Sometimes you go beyond that. I think it's fair. You play football when the ball is in play, not when people are rolling around the floor. Of course. We wouldn't have all this nonsense after the game. What was it, four minutes of time added on, seven minutes? Nobody has any idea. The referee arbitrarily adds on a certain number of minutes. Right? We're all playing different. All, all these games I, I, are being played to different lengths. It makes no sense to me. Two 30-minute halves, get yeah. rid of the time-wasting, move on. Uh, Easy. Yeah, I know. And you could see the frustration of United fans in the last half hour against 
the dark hearts of the Atletico team, took, sticking with, with United, this defeat means no trophy, not that we could argue they were going to win the, the Champions League anyway, even if they had qualified, but no trophies in five seasons, which is the longest drought since 1974, just to put that in perspective. And that also means that Cristiano is not going to win any trophy this season for the first time in 16 years. 16 seasons in a row, he always won at least one trophy. Not this time. This is, this is bad. 16 years ago, was he at United already when he failed to win a trophy or was that at Sporting Lisbon still? So that would have been... Thank God he's been around for so long. Yeah, right? before the first season at... At Real Madrid, yeah. so it would have been uh, at United. Before the first season at United. Wow. Um, look, it's... I'm assuming you've already figured out that mathematically United can't win the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, that's I, right, yeah. We're taking it as right? I think we're taking that, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, look, this is, this is a club in a very, very difficult spot. We've talked about this endlessly. Everybody has their own recipe. I don't think you measure progress, I'm sorry, in trophies. I know, I know I get, I've had this discussion on social media many times and Mourinho would jump up out of his box and say, and dispute this, but you don't measure it in trophies because if United won the League Cup this year or the Europa League, would they yeah, feel yeah. any better about it? I wouldn't. I judge it by whether a team is progressing. There's yeah. a broader fact, which is that this team is not progressing. That is a more serious indictment. So, trophy schmofy. I mean, unless it's the Champions League or, or, or the Premier League, if you're Manchester United, the rest is just tap. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't care. My club, if I supported a big club like Manchester United, the only trophies I would care about are the Premier League and uh, the Champions League. The other ones, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. judge that whether they've had a good season or not. I'd rather finish second and feel like I'm going somewhere. But it's still significant, third. right? Because by the, by the way, I think 16 years ago we were with United as well. But it's still significant that you, we thought that him coming to the club with a winning mentality, the talent, the goat, whatever you want, you know, would, would also help that team to stop the drought of not winning anything since that Europa League that Mourinho won. And actually, in the end, even he could not change it. Could he be the Premier League? Can he win the Premier League? Top scorer this season. There's <laughs> got to be something he can Does win. Doesn't count if he wins the Player of the Month. I, I, I think there's got to be something he can win. Plenty of reports out there that Lionel Messi has no plans to leave Paris Saint-Germain, right. but hopes to come back stronger next year. Yep. Jules, does that fill Paris Saint-Germain fans with hope? Of course it does. You know, he's still he's still the greatest player. Uh, in Paris Saint-Germain's history. In Paris Saint-Germain's history, in the world. Do I need to send J.J. Okocha around to your house? It doesn't matter what you want to send to my house. I'm just saying it's good for him that he wants to stay, that he's got that desire to, to put things right and do better. He still believes, that's what we're being told, that this is the best chance he has to win another Champions League by staying at the club and, and be part of a new cycle, if you want, of rebuilding what... Uh, you know, was not very good this season. So I'm glad. I'm glad he's staying. I really am. Better than because going back things, to Barcelona and playing for free. No? That would yeah. not happen anyway. Right. Okay. And, and I think things will get better for him right. next season as well. The playoffs are here, Gab, the, the World Cup playoff. Oceania's eight countries will kick off their mini qualifying tournament uh, in Qatar. And the lucky winner will face uh, the fourth place team from CONCACAF. Who you got? Okay, so I had to look this up, so forgive me if I'm reading here as I do this, but for those who don't know, Oceania, the smallest federation, yes, they only have 11 members, two yeah. of them 
uh, Samoa and American Samoa, who I believe previously known as Western Samoa, uh, maybe it was the other one, I don't know, I don't know my Samoas, uh, they, would, they decided they weren't even going to enter the qualifying tournament. What? They decided to have the qualifying tournament all in one place. Yeah. Uh, Tonga were supposed to have kind of this play-and-play game against the Cook Islands, who haven't actually played a competitive match in six and a half years. Then Tonga withdrew. So they don't get to go to Qatar. I've done a lot of research this morning. (laughs) So there's eight teams. The first group has Vanuatu, Tahiti, the Solomon Islands, and Cook Islands. Wasn't there some really great French player who's from Tahiti who played for many years? Yeah, of course. Who who is it? Vaillerua. Oh, Vaillerua, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Has he retired? I bet he'd probably still get in the team, though. Yeah, recall. The other group, New Zealand, New Caledonia, New Guinea, and Fiji. I'm going to hazard a guess that most people might have heard of some of the New Zealand players, including Winston Reid, who's older than I am, I believe. And, and, uh, and of course, Chris Wood. Yep. Um, New Zealand, on paper, the big favorites. We'll see who they play from CONCACAF. I'm excited. <laughs> I can are. smell the World Cup in this. the air. I love these quick hits. Absolutely. <laughs> right, that brings us to an end. But Jules, we got to come back on Monday. Oh, yeah. Huge Classico. weekend coming up. El Clasico and, small matter, we call the FA Cup. Yes. Until then, as it says on my uh, jumper, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself.